Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Bar podcast. I'm Denise Satova, your host, and I am super excited to introduce you to an absolutely remarkable woman who has carved out and really an esteemed place in herself in the legal world. Latoya James is a family law and criminal defense attorney, and she's the owner of her own law firm, the James Firm. She is fierce yet compassionate, and her journey, I would say, is both inspiring and, and really profound from serving as an assistant district attorney to founding the James Firm, her own law firm. So it's a great honor to have you here, Latoya. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. So your transition from assistant district attorney to starting your own firm, I mean, it, that's nothing short of remarkable. Tell me what sparked your move toward establishing your practice and what was that like? Um, so I never viewed myself as a lifelong prosecutor um, in law school. One of my professors, you know, asked what I thought my career trajectory was going to be. And I said, I wasn't really uh, sure. And he says, well, I'll tell you, you are a prosecutor. You should apply to the DA's office. So, uh, and, he, and he was a prosecutor in Nassau at the time. So I applied to the Suffolk District Attorney's Office. I was offered the job. I took it. I loved it. I realized that without question, I belonged in the courtroom. Th there was no question in my mind, um, got the bug. Uh, but then, you know, between student loans and, you know, all of the other responsibilities um, that I had, and because I knew I was not going to be a lifelong prosecutor, I started to um wanted to start my own practice so and late 2013 early 2014 i left the da's office after seven and a half years and launched my firm just like that yeah i think you know um my grandmother passed away in 2012 and uh i had always thought to myself that that was my biggest fear and i couldn't imagine what my life would be like um, without her in my life. And when I was still alive and I had survived her death, at that point, I really didn't have much fear of anything else because that was the thing in my life that I thought I wouldn't be able to survive. So at that point, I, you know, I just started saving, planning, putting, putting all the pieces um, in place. And when I was ready to go, I was ready to go. And I launched a virtual law firm, which at that point, didn't really exist, like it wasn't a thing, but I, I like to say I didn't, I don't have a trust fund. No one was gonna write me a check. So I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have the money to hang a shingle, much less anything to hang a shingle on. Um, so I said, you know, I'll try to figure out a way um, where I wasn't using a PO box, wasn't using my home address. Uh, and there was a virtual office suite available in my neighborhood. So I said, I'll sign up for this. And I'll just start heading to court. I'll figure it out. I had a pretty good reputation and the judges were very good to me and started assigning me cases. So I was able to be in court every day. And, um, you know, it just kind of took off from there. And then within three months of my practice, I was offered a consulting position with a phenomenal domestic violence agency, Long Island Against Domestic Violence. They became my biggest client. Um, and quite frankly, you know, it, it replaced my DA salary. I mean, that was just a gift from God. So everything on top of that really became, you know, gravy because I was able to pay my bills, you know, which was my biggest concern. And, 
you know, my firm has just taken off exponentially. And then because I run a virtual firm, you know, when COVID happened and the court system became virtual, it was, you know, my Super Bowl. It was the best um, scenario for me. There's so much backed in what you just said. I don't even know where to know. begin, but you know, for, first, I mean, what an amazing way to pay a tribute to your grandmother. That is so profound and so beautiful. And uh, to leave such a wonderful or to continue such a wonderful legacy. And then, you know, I'm an open book and, and I, and I, and I say what's in my mind and in my heart. And, and I have to say also, you know, for you to be a prominent African-American woman um, running your own law firm, that's both empowering and inspiring. What advice would you give to other aspiring women, especially from the African-American community looking to carve out a similar career path like you? You know, um, your reputation is everything. Your name really is uh, all you have. And I have been extremely, extremely fortunate that, you know, when my name enters a room, um, because of the relationships I formed along the way and the network I formed along the way and just being myself many, many times. I mean, quite frankly, just being, having the opportunity to be with you today, right? It was somebody else who mentioned my name and, and here I am. So that's what ha has been my experience here in Suffolk County. I'm not from here. My family's not from here. Um, but I just try to be my authentic self in every room that I'm in, like you, I'm very unfiltered, always professional, but very unfiltered. You know what you're gonna get. You know, there's, I don't think there's anyone that's ever misunderstood anything I had to say. You know, I'm extremely clear uh, when I speak, you, you know my intention, my heart is clear. You know, I, I always have a smile on my face, regardless of what's coming out of my mouth, it's always with a smile on my face, which <laughs> can be weird. Right. But, um, yeah. you know, and then also I'm, I try my best to always be the most prepared, the most proficient. I'm always ready. Every single judge I've appeared before, they know when are you ready now? I'm ready for trial. Now, if I filed a petition, I'm ready for trial the, on the return date. And if you filed a petition and the, a respondent has hired me, you better be ready for trial on the first court date, right? So um, because I'm always prepared, because I'm always ready, I try to be always on time. I, I try to be always um, respectful. Uh, I truly care about my clients. You know, we have a different mm. relationship. You know, I, I don't advertise for business. You know, clients only come to me under very specific a very specific set of circumstances. And that's my private clients, you know, and other clients. So because of that, if you have found me, it's because either you have figured out that you need me or someone who really cares about you has sent you to me. So I take that responsibility very, very seriously. Wow, I'm just getting completely pulled into what you're saying because it sounds so simple and it's so powerful is you mentioned having a clear heart and is what you see is what you get being authentic um being prepared um there's really nothing magical to it i think many times we hide 
behind sort of our, our ego think that we're not good enough um, and afraid to express our voice. And, you know, that's why the, the podcast, the, the gist of it is, is to be vulnerable. And, and there is something to be said about, there's a strength in it. So that is, that is really powerful. Uh, and, and I can, I can sense your energy. Um, you know, you have been, we, we spoke for very little and I understand you have been, you're your mom and you have I been am. at a forefront in, yes, in, in battling against domestic violence and advocating for children. And, and as a result, do these harsh realities in, in your profession impact your, your parenting style, make you maybe more protective parent? You know, how do they impact conversations with your, with your own children? So I have two daughters and because I, I don't only represent women, um, I do represent men, um, but because I work primarily uh, with women, it has absolutely uh, impacted my parenting style. You know, I come from a long line of very strong women. And I used to think that that was a good thing. I no longer think that a woman being strong um, is a good thing. I, that, that has evolved. I think um, us always trying to be strong and trying to be the ideal um, hasn't always served us because then, you know, no one checks on the strong one. And I find that the strong ones within families are the ones who are suffering the most because people in our sphere realize us as strong, identify us as strong, and have no issue with putting something else on our plate because it'll just be fine, you know? And I don't want my daughters um, to have that identity. But, you know, one of the things I hate now despise now is this image of the strong black woman because it just gives you the opportunity to say you know she can handle it you know and I don't want them to do that I of course want them to have inner strength and my girls are exactly who I want them to be you know and they're exactly who mm. they want them to be um, but we have very very open conversations about be being capable of taking care of yourself having standards and all of those things, but also having boundaries for the people who are in your life, being clear about what you want and more importantly, what you don't. You know, it's very easy yeah. to identify what you want, but sometimes it takes years to identify what you don't. And fortunately or unfortunately, I come into contact every single day with a lot of people who are in the situations they're in because they don't have standards. Right. Mm. So my daughters yeah. have a standard for themselves and for the people in their circle and for how they should be treated, you know, and they're able to say, no, I'm tired. No, I can't do one more thing. Or, you know what? Yes, I can do one more thing, but I don't want to do that one extra thing. So no, I'm not going to do that and be okay with saying no and understanding that no is a full sentence. And it does not require an explanation and you don't owe anything yes. to anyone, you know, that, that, that is a lesson that sometimes takes women, particularly a lifetime to learn. That is so true. And you said inner strength, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, on the outside, you know, we can we can make ourselves, you know, look stronger and uh, and 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 put on a certain image um, and use a certain use certain words, adapt a certain language um, that um, that would make us appear basically strong. But on the inside, uh, that's it has to you you have to be comfortable with who you are, have just a a natural self love and respect for yourself. Uh, You know, I have a 23 year old daughter. And, and that's really we have these conversations every single day is just listening to yourself and, and letting the rest go. And then then, you know, not comparing yourself to anybody, just be comfortable in your own skin and who you are. And then to the second point about the, this people pleasing, uh, the answer, uh, the answer is no, the answer is no, you do not have to offer an explanation and you can say it respectfully and Absolutely. be completely relaxed into it. Um, 100. that's, that's, that's great, 100. great advice. Um, you know, my girls so, know you, you came in this world through one hole all alone and you're leaving through another hole all alone. The yeah. dash in the middle, yeah. you better be satisfied with what happened in that dash in the middle. That's that, that's that's really profound. You're absolutely right. And, and everything is temporary. And and really, instead of having your mind being occupied by, you know, all the, the, the noise, um, you just, just remove that personal mind out of it, the personal ego, and just, just focus on, use your mind, I say, to create. Uh, to express gratitude, love, to inspire, and then just let everything else go um, while you're here, you know, on 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 this earth. Um, so that's uh, yeah, that is so important. Um, you know, you you made a, a big big change. Um, you did something daring, I would say. Last summer, you had sort of this momentous trip to Mexico that had bittersweet undertone due to the pandemic. Tell me about the trip and how does it go? Actually, how does it go hand in hand with your philosophy that you strictly, I know you strictly adhere to prioritize life over making a living. So this summer, actually. So in April um, this of the year, I realized um, that I was becoming way too uh, overwhelmed. And I had a number of things going on and I decided that this summer, well, we always travel, but I wanted to really spend um, an inordinate amount of time with my children, um, an inordinate amount of time reassessing my priorities and my own goals, um, prioritizing my health, and just those kinds of things. So um, I started advancing my cases that were on during the summer. And having conversations with my colleagues, like we are going to either resolve this case, we are going to try this case, or any client that required too much of me was going to have to find a new attorney or be okay with seeing me in September because the, the my children's last day of school was going to be my last day that I was going to be putting work as even on my list of priorities. Um, and then we would be back in September and we would we would regroup. Um, and and we were able to do that. I was able to resolve a number of cases. I tried 10 cases um, just in the month of June alone. And whatever came in over the summer that was new and it was an emergency, of course, it was taken care of. But if it wasn't an emergency, and by the way, emergency as defined by me, not as defined by the client, um, 
you know, it just, it was not going to, it was not going to get done. Um, so, you know, my, my, when my daughters were done with school, we went to Mexico uh, for like nine days and explored and enjoyed it and loved it. Came back, I worked for a week and then we went to Cartagena, uh, Colombia. And we stayed there for, for quite a bit of time and really explored and just immersed ourselves um, in the culture. And that was a beautiful place to be because the standard of beauty in that particular part of the world is us. All of the murals in Cartagena look like me. You know, all of the advertising look like them. Right. And we don't get to exist in a place where we are the standard of beauty on a normal basis. And it was amazing to watch them exist in that environment. And it was exactly um, what I was hoping it would be, you know, and then we came back and we went to New Orleans um, with my goddaughter and we, we just had like a beautiful summer, like a really, really beautiful summer. I have a daughter who wants to be a chef. In Cartagena, I was able to get her cooking classes from a Michelin chef. You know, that wow. is a once in a lifetime experience. You know, my little one loves animals, right? So one of the reasons I chose Cartagena is because her favorite animal is a peacock, but her second favorite animal is a sloth. So she refuses to go to zoos. She will not go to zoos. She says, nothing lives its best life in captivity. So I refuse to watch an animal not living its best life. So because of the way my brain works, I, got, I went on Google and I said, where can I see a sloth not in captivity? And the result was Parque Centenario in Cartagena, Colombia. There's a, there's a family of sloths that live in the wild there. So guess what? We were going to Parque's and Scenario in Cartagena, Colombia, right? And my family were walking in the park and I see it in the tree. And I said to my daughter, I was like, oh, that's a weird looking squirrel. And she goes, <laughs> I was like, she goes, mom, she says, mama, did you find me a sloth not in captivity? Yes, I did. Yes, I did, right? So yeah, I'm not gonna deal with custody and what I want to I want to find my daughter a sloth not in captivity we watched that sloth for an hour and a half living its best life just like she said right that's what I want to do with summers you know my husband and I were watching a comedy show um one night and the comedian's like, how old are you? He's talking to someone in the audience. And she's like, oh, I'm whatever, 45. So he's like, okay, enjoy your next 40 summers. You know? And, and he yeah. says that he thinks about life in summers, right? So I have a daughter oh. who's a sophomore in high school. When she goes off to college, which means I have two summers left, right? If I'm lucky, where she's going to want to spend time with me. And my little one's in the seventh grade which means I have, what, five summers left? I'm not wasting my summers dealing with dr other people's drama. No, absolutely not. That, that will not be their memory, right, of what their time in their home was, right? That, that cannot be their memory. Wow. And it won't, and it won't be. Good for you, because what I'm seeing here and hearing here, first of all, I love the, the sloth story. They're just being, 
they're just yes. being they're not thinking yes. right they're just being and there's something about mm -hmm. just being watching whether it's a little puppy we have a little puppy and mm -hmm. just watching them play there's no it, it's purely unconditional you know uncorrupted being that's just being and then and there's a lesson in that too so you're just putting your 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 daughters through school of life and the way it should be because Absolutely. um you know i i remember um judge cheryl joseph who um connected us actually and and she said it she said you know I, as much as i love this job it will not love you back the same way meaning you know she's devoted in, in what she does professionally so are you being a zealous advocate however right there is there is that and then there is the personal life and and uh and and that's that's really important and not losing sight of that especially now where these lines are sort of blurred since it, we have permission to work virtually and and that's not necessarily the best where you can't leave the office and just sort of leave it behind um so that's that's really great um are you guys what are you watching any shows that you find particular that that you find particular interesting so i don't watch tv <laughs> And my children don't really good watch for, stuff good for you. <laughs> um, Are you streaming yeah. any shows? No, I really don't. I have really, um, you know, if, if I'm going to watch something on TV, it's probably going to be CNBC. I'm a girl who I don't play around about my finances. So I like to obtain um, information. And if I'm listening to something, you know, if I'm going to fill my space, um, if I'm going to fill the only space that I have with something, it's going to be something that's going to enrich me. So I listen to, quite frankly, a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of T.D. Jakes, Tony Robbins. You know, um, I want to be inspired. I want to learn new things. You know, I have an enormous amount of people who plug into me for energy. Um, and if I'm going to pour into all of these people, I have to, I cannot have a drained battery, right? So oh. I want to learn new positive sayings. I want to do whatever I can to be able to charge them and charge them fully when they come to me. All I do all day long is try to help people put themselves back together, right? So oh. I want to be That's able to, yeah. I want to be able to be complete right and a complete resource for whoever i'm engaging with whether that be my daughter or my spouse or my clients or the judge whatever the case may be i want to be 100 percent in each of those roles um in in that moment but in order to do that i have to be fully charged right so i try to like fill yeah. fill myself um so um, I, i'm sorry i don't really watch tv <laughs> <laughs> you know what good for you good for you i uh i embrace similar philosophy um although i i like i go for the the mind flossing so to speak where i want mm -hmm. something that's completely mindless uh because i like to soak it all up and and grow and grow and grow and grow um what um <laughs> what uh what, what is your personal pet peeve i don't like people who are not accountable and who don't take responsibility mm. for themselves. You know, I encounter an enormous amount of victims, um, but I don't like the victim mentality. 
So that that is a huge pet peeve. If you've managed to live your entire life and nothing is your fault, I would prefer that we not engage with each other because that's not something that I can respect. It's not something I understand. It's not something I can respond to, right? So many times uh, I say to my clients, you know, I hear you, I understand what you're saying, but based upon whatever it is you do for a living or where you live, we would have never met, right? We would have had no reason for our paths to cross. We're only here because you made a decision to have a baby with a jerk. That's why we're here, right? Or whatever the case may be, right? And I'm telling you that if you want to be successful in family court, you're gonna have to be able to say to yourself and own, I made a bad decision, whatever the case may be, of having a decision with a jerk. And then we can go from there. And if you're able to do that, the likelihood that we are gonna be successful is very, very high. How do I know? Because mm -hmm. family court judges don't encounter reasonable people, right? Who are accountable for how they got into their situation every day. And if any judge gets a glimmer that perhaps you're the most reasonable person in the room, they're probably gonna give you what you want, right? So bef long before we go to court, the first thing we're gonna work on, more than the strategy of your case, more than we're gonna work on, what did I do to get me here, right? What is it about me? What is it about the things I like in a man or a woman or whatever the case may be that caused me, right? We are gonna do self-work. Then we're gonna go to court and then we're gonna win. Right. And then we're gonna win because yeah. we've done the work. Not only that, whatever comes, whatever attack comes at you, it, it will, it will bounce off you and you will release the, the, the image of victimization and the identity of victimization, because you can't call me anything I haven't already called myself, mm. right? No matter what That's your examination questions are, yeah. it won't matter because I'm ready to fully admit because I've already owned my role. So I'm not here right. to deny. Yes, I did that. Yes, I said that, you oh. know, and it's also very empowering. And you can see right. the transition when people think about themselves as I'm here because I chose this, as opposed to I'm here because this is what happened to me, right? right. If you if you just own whatever right. happened to you as a choice, okay? And of course, that's not every single situation, okay? But in the family court world, you're likely here because of a choice you made and probably because you didn't have the standard, but you didn't even know that that was yeah. a standard. Right? So this is not about assessing blame or fault. It's just right. taking responsibility. I tell my clients, you're the CEO of your life. You are the CEO yeah. of your life. Right. And the write a new chapter. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Right. You're the yeah. buck very, very true. When you're the right. leader, everything's your right. fault. Even if it's not your fault, it's your fault. Right. So own it. Right. Right. And then let's move on. And then let's go out there and win. Right. Your kids. Yeah, that's kids. look, it's it's taking the ownership. I think that's what sets you set you apart and also uh understanding what role you can play to move forward. And <clears throat> this that's really great. You setting them up for the long journey 
as opposed to just let's just focus on what is now but not only that but when you do come out of this you can start healing and write a new chapter in your life um i've been through many 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 transitions um and yet i chose like you said the word choose to write a new chapter and i choose to also look back and realize you know there was a wisdom in in everything that uh you know i've experienced so that is uh, i think that's important um taking accountability for yourself and again i i i like to to say to remove that personal self out of it and go okay now we will deal with it and then let's uh let's move forward and i think the biggest biggest um issue that i see is when people generally are looking to events things and people on the outside to make them feel better on the inside so yeah, unless you clear that up you will make the same mistake in your next relationship and put yourself in the same situation so you know we can we can we can just go on and on and on this is such an a, an important topic and uh, listen latoya your journey embodies resilience empathy obviously deep commitment to justice you your unwavering advocacy uh, you know, for, for people, children, it's, it's, it's truly inspiring. And so I want to thank you for being here today and sharing really your, your rich and multifaceted uh, story with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And to our listeners, uh, to learn more about Latoya and how to get a hold of her, uh, please click on her bio link below. And I appreciate you joining us in this very enlightening conversation. And join us again on Beyond the Bar podcast every Sunday for a new chat. And I also publish each episode on all of my social media channels. And you can see the links below. And until next time, be well and stay curious. Mm -hmm.